Hello and welcome to Watch the Throne. What a lovely day. This is episode 33, The Road, from 2009. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And with us today is our post-apocalyptic expert, Cara Gale O'Regan. Hello, Cara. Hello. So I say that preemptively, and I realize that like this might tease that you're on a Mad Max episode, which you are not, which I deeply regret because I know that you would be perfect for that episode. But this is kind of in ways, not really, but kind of in ways, a prequel to Mad Max. <laughs> yeah. Sort of. Yeah, I wrote down something to the effect of, like, Shirley's must be really into post-apocalyptic movies. This is like uh, if Mad Max were, like, really going to happen, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> there's no fancy costumes and or Morton and Joes or nothing, just terrible, terrible people out there. So I don't know if either of you read this, but uh, Charlize was a huge fan of the book, mm-hmm. which I read in college and remember sort of bits and pieces about. Mike, this is of note to us. The producer of this film, Nick Wesch- Wexler on The Yards, near Masterpiece, The Yards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They sort of, like I guess, like hooked up and got her in here or whatever. In the book, the wife, which I did not remember she was as prominent, she's not as prominent in the book, okay. that these flashbacks are bigger because she's Charlie Theron. The, the producer, Nick Wexler, said, I think it's fine to depart from the book as long as you maintain the spirit of it, which I agree. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you can make it fit in the world however you do, make your movie. Like, you don't have to make a shot-for-shot remake of a book. Right. Do, tell your story. Yeah, in the spirit of, you know, that's, I think we've said that previously when we've tackled book-to-film adaptations, and the most successful ones keep the spirit when they change things around. So now, Kara, I don't know if we should do this now or do this at the end, but you said you had questions for me about the book, and I read this in transparency nine years ago, <laughs> and I remember almost nothing about things after they're out of my brain, but why don't you ask questions, we'll see if I can answer them, or if I have to plead the fifth. Well, actually, what you just said before this okay. answers my question, because my questions were like, does the mother have more of a role in the book? Like, does it explain nope. more about what's going on for her emotionally? <laughs> like, nope. why she does what she does? Because I figured like, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure the book gets into this more, but apparently not. So that's cool. No. I think I maybe yeah. was supposed to read this in college, and I didn't. I didn't read it for class. I just read it because it was fun. Question and mark. by fun, I mean the <laughs> bleakest shit I've ever read in my life. So here's what I remember about the book. What I remember is that the entire time I was thinking, oh, either the father or the son is going to die, and it's going to completely ruin me and the other person. So that was number one. Number two, there's no character that has a name. There's no quotation marks from what I remember in the book like people say lines but it's not like a quote it's just like a Mm. a, it just it's like a very stylistic Cormac McCarthy type of thing and I remember like in this that the dad dies at the end the kid is sort of in in a sense okay Mm -hmm. because he gets saved by Memento (laughs) and and leftovers right isn't that no Molly Parker's not from leftovers oh she looks she's from House of Cars and she's from oh that's it okay I got her confused with leftovers yeah she almost looks like Ann Dowd in this that's it. A yeah. little bit. Well, yeah, she, uh, she and Guy Pierce are really, they are both very handsome people, both Guy Pierce and Molly Parker, and they do not look it in this movie. Like, <laughs> Even Vigo. Vigo. <laughs> kind of, he kind of he kind of pulls off that handsome, mm. rugged, starving look. look a little bit. I mean, he lost 30 pounds for this. <laughs> yeah, he starves to death by the end of the movie. Like, yeah. if, that's, if that's hot, I don't know. Guy Pierce and Molly Parker, not mm-hmm. very attractive at the end of the movie, which, I mean, 
fine. Or That's fine. Michael K. Williams, either, who completely unrecognizable to me. I, I think. They, oh, really? I think they put. I thought they maybe did prosthetics or gave him teeth or something. Everyone's wearing busted teeth. Well, they removed his thumbs. So. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, but I couldn't see him under the performance. It was amazing. I don't know. Oh, no. I definitely got it. Oh, no. Omar stole their shit. Yeah, I had a similar reaction. But yeah, so that was that was basically the book, and then uh, the, the I remember. Oh, there's also one thing that's in the book, which I don't know if you read about this, that they shot and cut out of the movie, which is probably for the best, which I did not remember, and I think probably PTSD blocked it out. That at one point in the book, they spit roast a baby over a fire and Ooh, eat it. Yikes! Wait, the the uh, people like the boy and the dad do that? I don't remember. Okay, because I could see that coming like within one of the cannibal scenes, maybe. But I'm glad that's not in here. The director filmed it, but was like. That feels like it's too much, which is oh, probably yeah. for the best because this is already super bleak. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's even too much. I think in Hills Have Eyes, they don't even kill the baby. Like, I don't know. I think it always seems like it's going a step too far. The cannibal stuff in this movie is really scary shit, so. That basement of starving oh, people God. is the stuff of nightmares. That whole house, right? Like, that sequence yep. is unto itself like a short horror film within a horrible film. <laughs> like, yeah. It's wild. So I think we should say, we should sort of clarify here that the, the, the movie takes place post-apocalyptic. We don't know what happens. The book never says what happens either. It's maybe nuclear war fallout. It's mm-hmm. maybe stuff from outer space, like, you know, oh. striking the Earth and causing this. It's yeah. unclear. It also doesn't matter. Yeah. It's sort of, in a sense, like The Leftovers, in that, like, the why is not important. It's just about how people live after it happens, mm-hmm. yeah. which I really like. I like how they handle that too because there's um it's really like the sound design is what i love because you just hear like rumbling and sort of like booming in the distance so it's like it could it could be like godzilla like you really have no clue like what is going on out there and every once in a while they experience like an earthquake so i think the the severity of the catastrophe gets across and that's all that really counts i was reading the goofs on IMDb. And oh, I never read the goofs. Tell me about the goofs. Well, the only thing I remember is that somebody was very convinced that it was a super volcano. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they were like, this is okay. obviously a super volcano, which it's not. It's definitely not a super volcano. But they seemed quite convinced. While we were on the subject of sound, before I go on with the plot, I think that the score in this movie by Nick Cave is goddamn beautiful. Like, I love I don't know if either of you noticed it or mm-hmm. had any affection toward it, but I yeah. loved it. It reminded me a lot, I think this is why I like it so much, of Radiohead music. Like, just sort of like that instrumental, like, the beginning of Kid A, or some of the some of the stuff on the King of Limbs, where I'm just like, oh, this is exactly what I want to hear. And I, like, a half dozen times in this movie, expected Tommy York to start singing, and I was like, oh no, this is just, like, super bleak and depressing, but beautiful Nick Cave music. Yeah, what I kind of like about that stuff is, it's not the type of music, for me anyway, that, like conducts my feelings it's more like whatever the scene is giving me the music is adding to i don't know it's kind of hard to explain but like if the scene is bleak the the music feels eerie but if the scene is sort of hopeful like at the very end the music seems more hopeful so i like the way yeah i just i like the way it plays through too so i guess pivoting back to the plot for a second before we before i completely lose train of what i was talking about before before i derailed myself the scream we still haven't gotten to the sound effect yet (laughs) oh no so a story is Viggo Mortensen and his son are just trying to survive, and they have this cart of goods that they push around, and they're just trying to make it to the ocean, which, just like in every other thing ever, once they get there, it's not what they thought it was going to be. That's super depressing. But in these flashbacks that are told sort of through memories and also through dreams, we see that Charlize played Vigo's wife, 
and the mother of Cody Smith McVie, who's been in a bunch of things, she sort of got depressed and realized that she wasn't <laughs> going to mentally make it another year. They He used a bullet on an intruder, and they didn't have three bullets for suicide, so she just, like, stripped down to her base clothes and just walked out into the winter and never was heard from again, which yeah. is super, super bleak and depressing. So she's probably only in the movie for about maybe five or ten minutes, but she's kind of in ways like the emotional core of this movie to mm-hmm. both Vigo and the son. Really? You don't think so? Nope. Not at all? Uh, not really, no. Uh, my third note is, oh, of course she's fucking dead. I was trying to figure out like how to put this, but like her role in this movie is like manic pixie dream girl adjacent? Not manic, probably clinically depressed, uh, literal dream girl, because she only shows up in his dreams. And it's just like this weird portrait of, which I guess is like because these are memories and dreams Mm -hmm. and not like actually what she was like. It just, no, I had a really hard time with the whole thing, actually. I just Mm. had a hard time. I just didn't buy it. I think coming from a loose semblance of a memory of the book, I was just happy that we got more of her than I thought. Mm -hmm. So I think that if you're you're going into this movie looking for a meaty Charlize role where she's like integral to the story and all this different stuff, I can see absolutely why you'd be disappointed by the fact that this is mostly just dudes walking around in the wilderness, also disappointing there. In my mind, 95% of the book is just father and son and so to get as quote-unquote as much of Charlize as we did I was happy with that Hmm. so I think I had lowered the bar of expectations so much for myself that the fact that like the scenes that she's in felt meaningful to me and I thought she was good in them and so I would have liked to see her more either living in the present or just more flashbacks but the fact that we got as much as we did I was happy with that right yeah that makes sense I like that like she's the first person we see when the movie starts you know mm-hmm. and she's just like sitting on her back and it's like awesome out and then the very next shot it's sort of it, it's like the night of the like event or whatever happened we don't know but then we find out that she's pregnant and so like she has to go through the post-apocalypse pregnant and then give birth and then I guess they she's like suffering from some postpartum depression thing there but I'm glad she's there I just wish that she went out a little better like I am also confused I don't know I don't get the sense that enough has like really gone wrong for her to want to give up like it almost feels like because we don't have a great sense of time like she's given up so soon or so quickly well, or, like right away and stuff and I don't know I just had like a little I did I do have an issue with that but but I know the movie is about father and son like Cormac McCarthy like wrote this for his son yes. and so like it's about a bond between a dad and a boy so I mean yeah like you said Joey it's it's just good that they could include more of her where they can in a story where she's like this character just ultimately isn't wanted my only sort of pushback to that is that we do have a pretty clear sense of time that she's pregnant when it happens and the kid is probably seven or eight when she walks off Mm -hmm. maybe i thought it was maybe like five and then now he's like nine but i that's the thing i yeah that's but, part but of still, it. like even like that means that she's lived five years raising mm-hmm. a child, trying to survive, trying to fend for herself. I think that that would drive anyone. Like we don't see a lot of people, and the people we do see yeah. are either cannibals or not doing well. You know what right. I mean? Like yeah. there's there's no reason that you would even. I don't think that you would want to live in this world. Mm-hmm. So well, I don't fault her for wanting to die. I mean, you have a family, but like 
it's not good. She has that conversation with Viggo Mortensen, and she's like, what are we doing? This is insane. You know, and he tells her that she sounds crazy, even though she yeah. is like, like, if I were in that situation, I'd be like, yeah, death seems like a pretty good Pretty good that seems like a good option, yeah. Well, yeah, there's even, like, one or two scenes of him teaching his son, like, reminding him how to kill himself in this yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is a, a thing, definitely, going but on in the foreground. when we see her pregnant and we see her in labor, I just had a really hard time with it. I didn't buy it, and it felt like she's not freaked out enough. She's not freaked out enough to, like have to give birth without any sort of like medical mm. attention she's not freaked out enough to have to give birth into a nuclear wasteland you know like it just to me did not feel like it hit like a, the right chord but i i might have i don't know might just be me i wrote down that vigo's relative optimism is only met by Charlize's overwhelming negativity. Like, she is just the opposite of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's no way for, I don't think, any of us to really know how to react in this situation, but I also right. feel like if you are more of a realist, as she is, as we talked about just now, and you are married to someone who is trying to be, for one reason or another, as positive as he can be, that's not fun. Like, if you're, you know what I mean? Like, if he, if, if he spends his entire day like, no, 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 things are fine, things are going to be okay, and you're like, no, have you looked outside? Yeah, like, I that's wander off not something you'd want to live in. Yeah, yeah it's, it's funny, because, like, even at the end when the other family finds the boy on the beach yeah. and stuff, uh, you find out that they were, like, very afraid of him being with Viggo Mortensen they're like you were they didn't really say it but the, the it basically the movie says like Viggo Mortensen was like a very bad person like to be with and and teaching him like all the wrong things kind of because you know even walking on the road like Guy Pierce says the one thing you don't do is stay on the road it's like you stay off the road so it's just interesting how I'm watching the movie going like okay here's a dad doing whatever he will do to help his son survive as long as possible because that's what you got to do you just got to keep going on and trying to survive and do the best you can and <laughs> by the end of the movie you find out that like he was a villain almost like he was sort of holding this boy back in a lot of ways even while he even as much as he was protecting him no doubt but but there's like scenes where the boy is clearly like on a different page like in the cannibal house the boy is the one who got the sense that something's wrong and like people are coming like he seems more acute and aware of his surroundings than Vigo does and Vigo is like lost between the past and the present and starving to death so it was just interesting how the movie made me think of him completely different by the end well yeah because I think what's true about both the book and the movie is that because we're in Vigo's point of view yeah he's right yeah there you go and there's no we don't see another way of doing things and then when you have someone else like it's it's open I guess to interpretation if you're very pessimistic you could say like oh no Guy Pierce and Molly Parker can like kill and eat this kid you know what I mean? like, there's a way there's thinking right <laughs> really which i thought makes, no which, which perfectly tracks the carer's worldview i think exactly <laughs> which makes perfect sense i wrote on letterbox like this movie just took like almost two hours to destroy my faith in humanity but then restored it in like the last five minutes <laughs> with that with that scene i had to take it at face value or else this movie would have destroyed me <laughs> you see what you think is the right way then you see at the end like if you have an optimistic point of view if you come at it like mike is you see oh no like you can have like kind of a healthy family life with you know like a wife and children or a husband and children 
if you do things a different way and it's like oh or you know they could just be part of the cannibal group they're like they're the handsome people in the cannibal group who just go out and like you know Lure find people. loners and then mm-hmm. just kill and eat them like who knows it just was so bizarre to me and i even like said out loud like really like that's how they're gonna end this this like that's that's it because it just is like a complete 180 from the entire movie that you just watched well, the one thing that there was like two instances that made me buy it. One was the boy thinks he's being followed, but like he thinks he saw a kid. And at the end, they're mm-hmm. like, we've been following you. There's another moment <laughs> when um, the dad gets shot with like a bow and arrow and he runs up the stairs and like he shoots the guy with a flare gun. And he's like, he's like, what are you doing? And they're like, you were following us. And he's like, no, you were following us. There's this weird like paranoia, like someone's following us. People are watching us like we're never alone kind of sense I got throughout the movie and then even when they're in like that bunker and the dog comes walking by at the end you see it was their dog and stuff so I bought it at the end because of this sort of paranoid sensation I was getting throughout the whole movie like people following people following other people like always trying to steal their shit and get their stuff from them and all that kind of thing so now he's stolen their son well his dad he was alone at that point so So one thing that we you mentioned earlier that we've been talking about but haven't really exactly addresses that Charlize is pregnant when this movie begins and that she gives birth in the post-apocalypse so I was thinking again of sort of spoilers I guess but not really for A Quiet Place I was thinking I I, kind of want Kara's opinion on this because you may or may not have heard Kara we give you credit on this for opening our eyes and our, I don't even know if we talk about it on this I just talked about it on a bunch of podcasts that you and Jordan have like like we thought we were looking at uh, movies through like a sort of ish feminist lens but then actually doing this and listening to you two I think it was really changely like where we thought like oh no that's actually not good like we thought it was good and it's actually not good mm-hmm. right. so yeah yeah congratulations yeah no well thank you actually to be <laughs> quite know. honest like I now hate the right movies like <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to begin this when we did Cage and Keanu, because they're leading men, they're almost never dads, and they're never, unless it's a movie about them being a dad, mm-hmm. they're just, like, a guy. Right. And here, Charlize is a mom so often, and I was like, in this movie, I was like, oh, she's pregnant. Like, I'm like, she hasn't really been pregnant that much, and I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, what She is? had twins in The Astronaut's Wife, but that's, like, sort of the story. Like, that's mm-hmm. part of the movie. She had an abortion in The Cider House Rules. She got pregnant, and she was trying to get pregnant throughout all of Waking Up in Reno. She had a miscarriage in Battle in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Not her person, not her character, like, not her as an actress, but her character got pregnant in The Burning Plane, yep. and then she's pregnant here. So, like, that's six movies out of 33. So, like, a fifth of them where she's, like, not been a mom, but, like, been in the act of being pregnant, which mm-hmm. I feel like is crazy high. I feel like that's low for... Like, you think that's low? If you were to compare... I, I don't know for sure, but I think if you were to compare it to maybe, like, women who have been a lead in equally as many movies only about a fifth of them her being pregnant or being a mother and I I would uh, caution you against saying that somebody who has not given birth is not a mother because plenty of people oh no 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 that's that I I misspoke that yeah yeah I know I think only a fifth of her movies involving pregnancy is low for for a woman in film I don't know I'm having a hard time articulating this well, no, I think because I think it's difficult because she's been she's had children in other movies too, so I think mm-hmm. it's probably closer to half of her okay. movies. Yeah. But mm-hmm. when you think of her, you sort of think of like her as like an action star. You don't think like she doesn't typically play like I don't think you think of her as like the mom. You know what I mean? So like the right. fact that there's that many surprised me. Well, those are 
the roles that exist in the world for women. Like it's right. You that's know. why I was. That's what I want to basically ask you about. Like, yeah, it's sort of pigeonholes you because like a guy can't be pregnant, so like he can't like that can't be a character trait for him. But his wife or whatever secondary character in a male-driven movie could be pregnant. That's just like, oh, she's the pregnant wife or whatever, which yeah. Charlize has been. You know what I mean? Which so is mm-hmm. shitty, but it also, like, this is a huge, huge part of women's lives. You know what I yes. mean? Let, mm-hmm. Like, I mean, less so now because we do have things like birth control and abortions are legal, at least for now. You know, women have so much more control over whether or not they become mothers in some cases might have more or less support or whatever but again like because we've talked about this with how often sexual assault shows up in film and how that's portrayed in like this very specific but not necessarily realistic way and I feel like the same thing applies to motherhood for women in film where it's super common and sure it is super common in real life but it's not necessarily always portrayed in an accurate way or it's just being used as a plot point or Mm -hmm. you know it's just being used as the whole character is just pregnant person or mother you know and there's not a whole lot of depth there so I'm not surprised I'm actually surprised that it's just it's not more common interesting Mike did you think like when you you think of what we've talked about here does does a fifth of her movie seems does that seem high to you or does it seem well for for her I feel like she like Kara says, like uh, those are just the roles that are there, you know. So I feel like right. from time to time, if she wants to work, unfortunately, she's gonna play a role she won't want to, and like pregnant mom or whatever. I don't think like it's tough because like you want to be representation, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like we should have pregnant women in film, definitely. But also, like Kara said, like it, it doesn't always feel very realistic. Like they're just you know they either have like cravings that are out of control or like their emotions are out of control, and like yeah, th- that's part of it, but that's not only it and then on the other hand i think it's really interesting that she's also able to like create and produce roles for herself that aren't in that realm that can say like look these are other roles that women play like whether it be atomic blonde or whether it be in the valley of uh, ella right where she's just like a mom that's a detective right like that to yep. me role that role there it was like the best of both worlds where she right. found a way to represent that character like almost perfectly as like a strong independent single mother yeah it's just it's unfortunate fortunate that that's what's out there but it's also it, she's almost like showing that's not the only way to go like she does it once in a while and maybe she has more sort of control over which roles that she picks at this level at her level basically you know once she did monster i have a feeling like she sort of had more options to pick from not that they were met the better or anything just more but now it's just cool that she's like yeah i i can also represent as like an action star or a normal person or a mother so yeah it's interesting she's uh mothers are normal people too Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know portray a mother as a normal person right that's that's probably what i'm getting at is like yeah yeah, a multi-dimensional person and not just as like a mother yeah if somebody were to to like remake this in a way that like centers her story more i think it would be absolutely fascinating to like explore postpartum depression in a post-apocalyptic setting you know (laughs) what i mean because that's like another thing that is extremely common that we don't talk about enough and that doesn't show up in film very often something like postpartum depression or anxiety or a variety of other mental health issues that can happen and we never get to see that and so I, it's just it's a shame that 
it's so hard to articulate but also uh, dying in childbirth is like another really huge trope that we see a lot in fiction kind of and and throughout history was something extremely common but very often it's used as a plot point or as this traumatic event that you know allows another character to transform or what have you so it's it's frustrating i'm frustrated by how these things are portrayed but also thank you for bringing that up and for letting me know that i've helped to uh, ruin everything for you. No, um, <laughs> the, the world is so much worse, Kara. Like now, I'm seeing it through your eyes, and it's like, oh, how do you do this? It's no, it's no wonder <laughs> that my worldview is what it is, right? No, I'm kidding. Um, but I do feel very smug about that. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. I mean, you truly, <laughs> it changed. I, I think, I think they're like it was basically, and not to blow more smoke up your ass, even though you deserve oh, it. Please do. But it was between <laughs> like just like just talking to you and Jordan, but also just watching 33 Charlize Theron movies in a row. It's like. Yeah. Oh, like we did. We're like, yeah. oh, she's super cool. She's always in these cool movies. She's and then great. We're like, like oh no, this talent. is a nightmare. Like, this mm-hmm. is terrible. Half the time, it was like, where is she? Where is she? What's Arguably going on? Arguably, one of the probably three or four biggest actresses in Hollywood today. And it's like, oh, this has been bad. And today, Mike and I spent time together watching a couple of Cage, a couple, uh, both Ghost Rider movies for a Cage Club Revisited. We're like, why? Why do we know Ava Mendez? Because like Ava Mendez is super famous, and like she's mm-hmm. not been in things. Mm-hmm. So like, there's definitely not a correlation between like fame and roles that you've had. Like right. Ava Mendez was in Hitch, and like the oh, first I really Ghost like Rider. That movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's good. That's going on my list now. But now she's like famous. Like she's famous. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like why? So like, there's not. Like, it's not for I, I don't acting. know. Like, there's. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But it's definitely it's definitely weird to like the the plight of the actress, capital T, capital A, the actress in Hollywood is very strange, especially when you're going through this lens. Like, I think what's happened. Like, what's really interesting to me, looking at Winona Forever and seeing what they're doing over there, because it feels mm-hmm. like they're having a better experience so mm-hmm. far. I mean, we know that Winona's going to go through like some ups and downs very soon. But it feels like through ten movies, like she's been in like big stuff. She's had good roles, mm-hmm. uh, you know. She's, she's had lead. some smaller parts, but like it's been good so far. Mm-hmm. And for us, it's like, oh no, like this has been, oh boy. <laughs> I think that might have to do with like the archetypes for actresses in Hollywood. Like Charlize, even though you know she's managed to really do a pretty diverse range of roles and has you know grown into this incredible action star she really like her place in hollywood was the like the hollywood the statuesque blonde. beauty yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um and i the hollywood blonde is this like very specific archetype that has been around since you know early early film um and i it's it's actually really remarkable that she's managed to break out of that but i think winona Ryder was never going to be cast instead of uh, an actress like Charlize Theron in a lot of the roles that she's been Mm -hmm. cast because she just can't, even when she is blonde, she can't really play Hollywood blonde type, I don't think. Right. (laughs) Was she blonde in Edward Scissorhands? Yeah, I think that's the one. one. But she's always still, she's always like the hashtag goth teen, like in everything she does. Mm -hmm. Like even as, you know, Stranger Things moms, like, oh, that that, that mom was a goth teen at one point. Like it just, Mm -hmm. that's who Winona is. And I think that's what's 
interesting mm-hmm. is that when we did the Keanu Awards, and like we've been talking about this at the end of every episode pretty much, we came up with that best archetypal role for Keanu was like, you know, the cop, the FBI agent, the blank slate, the stoner, whatever. And as we were going through the career, we sort of were able to pick up on that. Here, through, you know, two thirds of Watch the Throne, we have maybe a couple ideas, but it's also mostly informed by what's coming next. Mm-hmm. Like, she was just like, right. the beauty, like you were saying, Kara, for like, 20 movies Mm -hmm. only after i think monster only after she was like decidedly not beautiful that she was able to sort of break free from that and like do anything else yeah slightly related to this uh the road was distributed by dimension films an american film production company and independent film distribution label formerly owned by the walt disney studios and none other than the weinstein company of course yeah dimension very famous for doing all the robert rodriguez and tarantino stuff like a lot of horror stuff in the 90s yeah yeah i would just like to say i would have loved to have seen winona ryder in an action film during the 90s um i understand that's just not her quote-unquote type perhaps but i think that's why i would want to have seen it like maybe sandra bullock got it like you know like in the net like i feel like sandra bullock mm-hmm. sort of got a little bit of that winona flavor sort of in the 90s where maybe stole and a there few can roles. only be one <laughs> or speed we were just watching speed yeah. today too but yeah but like i don't know i i still feel like uh, maybe when winona is just she's also just incredibly good just like as an actor you know and even yep. now in stranger things but yeah like it, it is true i think they're just they're, in, they're incredibly different types of actors that yeah. have different types of roles that are incredibly good at what they're doing but mm-hmm. yes that it's you come i feel like women come across that way 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 more than men like men there's way more different like for some reason there's just different looks like it doesn't matter if you're blonde brunette or redhead if you're a man you know what i mean like that's what's yeah. so strange like um but it does if you're a woman and that's just the worst these days i mean not just these days but just throughout film history what i think is kind of interesting is that when we were doing keanu we realized oh no he should be pigeonholed you know what i mean like right he doesn't have a whole lot of range joey and i didn't understand i mean i at least at the time wasn't sure why i was so upset with why I didn't like him in Something's Gotta Give. And Tobin sort of pointed out to us, no, no, like, they're flipping it. Like, he's the bimbo. Mm -hmm. Like, he's playing the bimbo role. And, you know, it's frustrating you because... Like, this just isn't the way guys are portrayed in movies very often. And so watching it, you don't know why, but you might get like upset at first and but now understanding it like it makes total sense to me like the joke is on me you know what i mean like <laughs> like that movie's much more clever than i gave it credit for i would like just as a sort of like a wrap up to my thoughts on this is that like i would like to see Winona have the chance to be like, oh, no, no, you can't do that, rather than Hollywood basically deciding for her, oh, no, she can't do that. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I would rather see. Like, Keanu, oh, no, you can't be X, Y, or Z. Like, we've seen you try to be, like, a Shakespearean actor, and, like, let's never do that again. (laughs) Instead of Hollywood being like, oh, no, Winona can't play, like, the hot one or whatever, or, like, the blonde. Like, let's see her try, and if it doesn't work, fine, but don't pre-decide that for her or for us, because maybe she can. Yeah, I mean, it all comes back to how many opportunities are available, you know, just by the numbers. Men just have so many more opportunities to try things and fail than women generally do, not just in film, but, like, in life. But also, circling back to hashtag goth teen, I would love to see Winona in 
Eon Flux. I think that would be interesting. As Eon Flux or just in yeah. the movie? Yeah. That would be interesting. I could, I wouldn't, I, like I said, I would like, I'm up for anything for that. Yeah, like that was... makes more sense to me than having Charlize in that role. And like, it's just unfortunate what happened with that movie in general. But like, somebody wanted to try it again. Uh, that would be a cool option, I think. Well, like, get her, get her into the MCU somewhere. Put her in a suit. You know, I mean, Ugh. they got the Wasp now, and they got Black Widow, Captain Marvel coming next year. So, like, this is going to be the phase where they're, you know, kind of like building the more woman roster up of superheroes mm, we'll or, or just support. Well, that's what I mean. That's that's what they're saying. Hopefully, fingers are crossed. But I think they are going to try and make a concerted effort, at least, to forge a new way. Yeah, I could see her working. You know, you got Marissa Tomei's in there as Aunt May, but like, give her a spider suit one day too. You know what I mean? Like, why not? And like, the why Spider Verse. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, why is, can't she like, get but, bitten? But by also, a like in that world, Marissa Tomei is a punchline. Like, she's just the hot aunt, mm, which is I great know. because she's beautiful and she's an older woman. But like, she has no character traits other than she's being hot. Like, even when she has character moments with Peter in Spider Man, it's always about how hot she is and it's like right. oh yes that's true but also give her a little dimension yeah. right her she's husband so died good. and mm. she like never like i just cast her in everything she's so good yes please yes, uh, she please. actually had a, a small role in this season of the handmaid's tale and oh oh i'm gonna phenomenal. start that this week i have not watched wow. it yet. Good. i might Love yeah i haven't oh. started it yet I, well, I saw I saw season one. I've not seen season two yet, so oh, okay. I know what I'm in for. Yeah, because like some of the things I was talking about before with like pregnancy and stuff, I feel like come into much sharper focus after sitting through a few episodes of Handmaid's Tale. Sure. Yeah, and also Mad Max too. Yeah. Oh yeah, they should do a show Mad Max. Just make that a damn show. I want to point out that uh, the the life that Charlize and Vigo had pre apocalypse seemed pretty great like him fingering her at the theater and then just like laying out in the sun oh, that seemed that? great that was yeah that was a really weird moment like just the <laughs> tone of that scene was so weird that was very astronaut's wife joey when johnny depp is at like they're at some function at a yeah. um, museum and he just like takes her around the corner and starts like finger banging her i was like what is why did this happen but more than once in her into career here. astronaut's wife felt a little rapey this she was like oh yeah i'm into this nevertheless i felt like they could have had if they needed a shortcut to show sort of the bond between them i think they could have i don't know that was a little it works works for me all right <laughs> So the other thing that I, uh, the other note about Charlize that I found in the trivia was that the director, John Hillcoat, he planned to record the screaming of women actually giving birth and add that into her birth scene. But Charlize Theron said, no, 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 and then screamed herself and the screams in the movie were actually her. And it wasn't convincing at all. No, I, I like that I scream. Joey and I were talking a lot about screams for some reason in movies today and the oh, well, we were talking no, we were talking about it because of wistful thinking oh yeah oh that's we right yeah, and the, you guys uh, learning about the Wilhelm, the Wilhelm scream, scream. Yeah. yeah so I was almost expecting that to come out of her mouth <laughs> while I was watching it so I was just glad it wasn't that scream and that, oh, that it was so a, funny though a new authentic one to add to the soundboard I don't know I like I it just you know because like not only is she giving birth but like she has no pain medication like you know it just it was not it just didn't seem that convincing and i surely mm-hmm. doesn't have kids so she i think she does surely yeah, adopted two children okay oh, okay so she herself has never given birth nor Correct. have i nor will i ever but it just didn't feel believable to me I've never seen an actual woman in labor, like, in front of me, so, you know what I'm saying? Like, unfortunately, I only go by film, and I've seen it 
played more intense in mm-hmm. comedies, I guess I could say. But the problem for me with the Charlize stuff is we just don't have any time to live with her character right. between these time jumps. And so we're coming in at like peak moments of these flashbacks. Like they just have to be sort of the highlights and they have to be like the, you know, the highlight clips, the best of the best, like which in this case is just like the harshest turning points in their relationships, you know, like giving birth and like wanting to have you know kill herself and then like actually walking out into the darkness like if we i don't know if maybe it was structured a little differently and Mm -hmm. we sort of had these laid out a little closer because they also drop off almost halfway through like it gets to a point in the movie where none of the flashbacks are new and he's just sort of having like memory shots like well i think that's because the flashbacks are not meant to tell a story of the past but they're meant to inform the present Mm -hmm. And so I think it's more along the lines of, like, how does this impact what we're seeing today as opposed to, like, what was it actually like back then? Which, in a sense, really sort of undermines Charlize because it's not about her. It's about, like, what did she go through that impacts how Vigo and his kid are living in the post-apocalypse today? Mm -hmm. But also the father and son at some point have a conversation about dreams and I didn't write it down so I don't remember exactly what they said but I think the the kid said that he had a scary dream and the father said like that's good that means like you're still fighting the problem comes when you're only like dreaming about the past or dreaming about good things or something like that because it means you've given up or something to that effect. Interesting. So he was like intentionally trying to remember the hard times in order to like stay strong. I don't know. That whole was... thing about carrying the fire inside you, I also like did not feel like very convinced by that. I, oh like, yeah, that was I just a was like hokey. why does this guy like keep trying? Like I I don't know. Well, I think I mean on I don't think it's expressed correctly maybe or enough, but I think it's just the he's supposed to sort of be the perseverance of the human spirit on some level you know like he just refuses to stop until god says don't get up anymore basically and so within that time he's doing what he thinks he he should i guess which is just keep moving although the moments when they meet people right like it's so crazy like he has the right intention like not to trust anybody but there's two or three times where it's just like you should trust like michael maybe you shouldn't trust but like you shouldn't take all of michael k williams clothes and leave him naked on the side of the road like that is harshness but like at least he does go back to who i thought was robert duvall um and they have like a meal with the old man and stuff like yeah that is robert duvall oh it really is okay yeah i I wasn't sure if he was credited or not i didn't i didn't see oh wait yes the other Bobby D. So, like, I was getting just so many mixed messages in the movie that none of that sort of, like, human spirit must endure really sunk in and came right. through and, sh- and sh- shined as much as I, it really should have throughout. It was more just, like, don't trust anybody, <laughs> like, in the post-apocalyptic. Don't trust anyone. Um, and I don't think that's true. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the that's what Vigo was sort of going through, but not the kid. The kid had a different point of view. Well, I think that's what is the... It's, in a sense, the, the real core of every post-apocalyptic story is, like, who can you trust and who should you not? Like, The Walking Dead, which is, I don't think, good anymore, a lot of it was sort of... Their growth has been going from we can't trust anybody to, like, we should try to trust everyone and, like, wait until they prove us wrong, which I think is probably the best way to live in that world. There's also, in a different sense, this whole older 
person, younger person, reminds me of, Mike, I don't know if you've played, or Kara, if you've played, I don't know if you play video games or not, but like The Last of Us is mm-hmm. basically this in a lot of ways. Uh, I mean, they're not, it's a, it's an older man and a younger girl, and they're not related. Uh, the guy in the very beginning, his, his daughter is killed. It's this guy and like sort of a surrogate daughter. And it's kind of like, who can you sort of trust? And like, you kind of can't trust anyone because everybody out there is sort of like, who can we trust? And everybody's sort of nervous. But I think that that whole like, trust factor is a, is an important element in these type of stories and i think as time goes on the goal is to trust more people but if we are eight or nine years into the future past the apocalypse like you should probably be able to trust some people but vigo cannot trust anyone at all yeah it's it's kind of hard when like there are roaming scavengers you know with like garrett dillahunt coming up to you in the woods right and like his posse behind him those people you can't trust and then when you accidentally sneak into a house of cannibals like it makes it so hard you know (laughs) but but you still should try is the point and that is just like that's like almost a form of insanity you know (laughs) like trying to uh reconcile that is just i mean that's what these movies try to get to the core of i guess apparently uh this movie takes place in 2019 so cool 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 We are right right on track. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) I could see that. You know what I really liked about this movie, though, is the the visual style. At times, it was almost like a black and white movie or like a sepia-colored film. Except for that can of (laughs) Coca-Cola. Right, right. And actually, all of the product placement in this, there were cans of Del Monte (laughs) fruit and like Mm -hmm, vitamin water. Vitamin water, yeah. Yeah, those are really like almost the only colors that you even see in the movie. I thought that was really well done because um, just tricked my eye a few times going mm-hmm. like wait a minute oh okay it's just the most depressing world possible that's all <laughs> it's just covered in ash everywhere and inches of ash so a few other little bits of trivia that i read that i'm sure Kara also read because she likes reading imdb <laughs> the same way that i do cody smith mcphee got the part after his father and he filmed the reminding the son how to kill himself with a gun scene oh. so they, they mailed that tape in uh so that's kind of fucked up and also his dad is like an extra in, oh. he's one of the cannibals on the truck I okay think. he's also credited as his son's like acting coach and mentor in the credits which yeah. i thought was weird that is very weird and another thing about cody smith was that when he was washing his hair it was so cold and the director said we only have to do this twice and on the second take the sun came out and messed up the take and so they had to do it a third time, and the kid crying was him actually crying because it was so cold and he was so miserable that it wasn't acting. It was just him like, I don't want to be here anymore. Nice. I mean, you know. <laughs> well, not nice, but I, I, get, I get the sentiment. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, they, you know, it's hard to work with kids in the first yeah. place. So, like, I thought he did an amazing job. I mean, all I thought throughout the entire film is, like, they're not acting. Like, they are miserable. They look and it feels like they're miserable throughout this entire movie. So, yep. yeah, he's a he's really strong performance in this. Oh, and also, he apparently was cast because he sort of kind of looks like Charlize Theron, which I guess... Mm. I got the sense that they were trying to make a parallel between him and her throughout the movie that, like... He, I don't know what they were trying to do. Like, I mean, well, obviously, she's a part of like, him. I'd rather be with mom. And, and Vigo's like, you being dead? And kid's like, yeah. He's like, mm, don't say that. Like, that's mm-hmm. real depressing. But I think it is like he had a bond with the mom that we don't really see, but that he wants to be with her. Yeah, I think they established that like a little bit earlier in the film, like in that conversation between the mom 
and the dad before she walks off and he tells her that she sounds crazy. She says something to the effect of, like, my heart was ripped out the day I gave birth to him. Mm -hmm. I, like, understood that there was, like, a much stronger connection between the two of them than we necessarily like see on screen i think that's about all the trivia or the notes that i have Kara, is there anything else that you found that you thought was really interesting or anything else you wanted to say before we move on to the other little segments or games or whatever yes i did the current portion of the movie takes place approximately seven to eight years after this disaster is happening or happened that has allegedly caused this is going to be a real Cara deGrasse tyson moment oh boys <laughs> like that event is supposed to have made all of the plant life die off but if it had all died off there would be no dry grass shooting from the soil no dead grass lying on the ground um, especially like with all of the the weather turmoil around them it would be like blown away there wouldn't be dried leaves on the trees so there's just like a lot more foliage in this movie than there should be <laughs> and i also i dug up that super volcano goof which is similar it says like if as the film propo- proposes all plant life is dead then human life would have soon followed it since plants filter carbon dioxide from the atmosphere then a lack of plants would allow for the increase of that co2 and since the unknown disaster appears to have been the result of a super volcano uh, <laughs> the additional co2 would be accompanied by the gases from the volcano making the atmosphere even more toxic wait so somebody on imdb is saying it's definitely a super volcano but like the movie then he's saying that the movie is incorrect in portraying a super volcano uh-huh so <laughs> only hey, maybe it's not a super volcano <laughs> yeah cool does anyone have a sense of like how long um the movie takes place over like their walk i, I have like, no idea how, probably okay. several weeks uh, i thought it was maybe at least like a couple months like yeah that sounds right also she tells them to go to the coast but never explains why and so they just have this like goal that they're super focused on and, like, <laughs> that's a thing in a lot of post-apocalypse stuff. Like, because number one, you have your back to the ocean, so that you don't have to like right. defend mm-hmm. everywhere. In theory, there's maybe fish there too. Uh, also, sea monsters. Like, you gotta watch out for that. But guys, I mean, you guys will both be on the uh, not yet released Resident Evil Extinction episode, so you know, like, if you if there's an Arcadia, you just go for it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you just need a destination to keep moving towards yeah. and to stay alive. Morale, I think. Like, yeah, we have a, a goal. goal. I also was just thinking, uh, just to take a step back, that if we do call you Cara DeGrasse Tyson, I want to spell it <laughs> D-E and then just the word grass, because it's all going to be foliage-related. Oh, please. Oh. Yes, obviously. That's very appropriate. Yes. Cool. I have some other little tidbits. Coca- they were worried that Coca-Cola wouldn't allow them to Saw use this. Yep. the mm-hmm. Coke can, which is actually a detail that was in the book. So they shot huh. it with like a different brand of soda coming out of the soda machine. They took... like many many takes of different sodas because they were worried that coca-cola wouldn't give them the permission but apparently vigo mortensen called up the president of coca-cola and was like hey oh. dude let us use coca-cola <laughs> it's the it's the king from uh it's the return of the king here my loyal <laughs> subjects wish to have ye coke because he was he had done lord of the rings right already like he was uh, really yeah, well definitely. known yeah yes, yes, so yes. He, he probably was just throwing some weight around there Uh, A large portion of the movie was shot in New Orleans, and about half of the crew on that shoot were survivors of Hurricane Katrina. That must have been difficult. I'm sure exactly what they want to do is spend time in the fake post-apocalypse. Right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah kind of horrifying to me well they really captured the mood uh you know yeah. for anything else yeah you know. there's 
a CGI aerial shot, which also appears in the trailer, uh, which is a digital recreation of destruction by Hurricane Katrina to what was Empire Plaquemines Parish, Louisiana. The shot shows two large twin boats on a highway in front of a bridge and in the movie the large city skyline appears on the horizon where in actuality there would be only the rural peninsula of louisiana so that was interesting another goof sign them up (laughs) no i don't think that's a goof i think it's just a just like a special effect kind of yeah imposition of an existing image into a landscape there's a point where the kid is like drawing with a bunch of crayons they're all spirals, mm-hmm. which is reminiscent of a famous uh, photograph by a man named Chim Seymour from 1948. And in it, a psychologically disturbed child Holocaust survivor drew very similar circular messy lines to represent mm. home, which is interesting. I took a couple of art therapy classes when I was in college because I thought that might be a thing I wanted to do. It's not. We spent a lot of time learning about children's drawings and like different developmental phases in drawing, what things in their drawings can represent turmoil and stuff like that, which was really interesting. So I, I thought it was an, a nice, not nice, nice is the wrong word, but an interesting touch to like bring that piece of reality into it. I think that might be it. Oh, 80% of this movie was shot in exterior locations. Feels right. A lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of outdoor stuff. A lot of outdoor stuff, which feels wrong. Like, the wrong approach to try and survive something like this. You know? <laughs> Stay off the road. Well, Take they're shelter. moving. They're heading. You know what I mean? They're not just trying to survive. They're trying to get somewhere. Yeah. Mike, any other, any other thoughts, any other notes that you have? I don't think so. Um, no, I, I just... Uh, I like... I actually... I actually quite like this movie, though, because, I mean, I think my love of sci-fi has a lot to do with it and just post-apocalyptic film and that type of fiction in general, just because it's just, like, it's just so close, you know? Like, (laughs) maybe part of it was growing up in the 80s and Cold War, and and even as when I was a little kid, like, you would hear about, like, as late as 1982 and 3, Duck and Cover and stuff, but, like, Mm -hmm. it's always been a fear of mine and a fascination at the same time, nuclear war and the result of... Now we have to watch it and take notes of, like, what do we do when this (laughs) actually happens? really, this is... Right. I just rewatched the day after I watched The Road. I watched uh, Children of Men. Mm-hmm. It's truly chilling. Like, it was always chilling, and now especially horrifying, but amazing and a much better movie than this one. I just wanted to say, like, there, like, just again, like, you were mentioning some of, like, the shots and the vistas and things. Like, there's one shot in here that is just, like, so striking to me is when they wake up and they're just standing in front of a wall of flames. Like, that, for some reason, watching it this time, just really sort of hammered home the point. It's like, yep, we're in hell. Um, it's a living hell. Like, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, this is the second time I'd ever seen it. I don't know that I'd ever watch it again. Again, but in a weird way, I'd like kind of recommend it. Um, I wouldn't recommend it for Charlize enthusiasts because she's hardly in here and she's not that well portrayed in what she's doing and stuff. But like, yeah, I mean, for like a post-apocalyptic sci-fi movie, it's one of the more sort of like, dare I say, grounded, like, you know, how maybe it would go down types of films. And like you said, it's really like visually arresting 
and, mm. and just like even if you just watch it with the sound off <laughs> it's like a very yeah. beautiful albeit grim movie to watch I really liked um, the camera work in the scene that there's like an earthquake and these trees start falling on them yeah. and the camera is like really chaotic and spinning around and like almost from the viewpoint of the falling trees and stuff like that and I really enjoyed that a lot so even though I didn't like enjoy the movie overall I thought it was interesting and and like you said a good like entry into the post-apocalyptic oeuvre mm. we have a new game that I think since last week we were on, we have a new game. So, <laughs> we've thrown out three games already. Here's the new game. <laughs> the problem is that, Mike, we don't we don't have a massive release. I mean, I guess there's one. What we'll do. What's coming out? There's two. I, I'm leaning toward one. So, Kara, what we do is this episode's going to come out next Friday as we're recording. This is going to come out on Friday, July 13th. Friday the 13th. Ooh, Ooh. spooky. Oh. What we're going to do, what we try to do, is take the Charlize Theron character from this movie, or if not the character, just the actress, and put her in the big release of the weekend. Next weekend, the big movie releases are either Hotel Transylvania 3... <laughs> Or Skyscraper starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, oh man. We gotta do Skyscraper, right? I, mean... I think so, too. Also of note next week is uh, Bo Burnham's movie 8th Grade, which is apparently incredible. Oh. Um, so, but that's also, I don't really know what that's about other than just, mm. uh, you know, young kids. Yeah. But yeah, so Skyscraper. Yeah, I'll get the Hotel Transylvania 3 Summer Vacation in like two years, in like season 10 on Third Times of Charms. You're never going to cover that, don't you? (laughs) No, I have a whole season of of cartoons like mapped out. That's fun. No right or wrong answers, but how would you either put this post-apocalyptic mother or, if that doesn't work, Charlize Theron into a movie? Here's the summary of Skyscraper, in case you don't know. FBI hostage rescue team leader and U.S. war veteran Will Sawyer now assesses security for skyscrapers. (laughs) On assignment in Hong Kong, he finds the tallest, safest building in the world suddenly ablaze, and he's been framed for it. A wanted man on the run, Will must find those responsible, clear his name, and somehow rescue his family who are trapped inside the building above the fire line. Also, of note, is he plays an amputee in the movie. Ah, yeah. interesting. So, in this movie where basically The Rock is running around a building on fire... Die Hard and the blazing and towering inferno. Sure. Combined. How would you put Charlize Theron into that movie, either as her character in this or just her as an actress in general? Before I get into that, just going to make a note that very often disabled characters in film are played by people without disabilities. And there are plenty of actors who do have disabilities, amputees, wheelchair users, you name it, that could have been cast instead of, we call it cripping up. uh, Yes, and I fully agree with that. However, none of them are going to draw $150 million at the box office. I know. Well, you create one, like they created The Rock, you know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you find, like, it's, like, it's Hollywood craps all of their stars. Like, there's nothing that says they couldn't pluck anyone out of obscurity and turn them into, like, a rock, so... Sorry, just wanted to get no. that out of the way. In, in the movie, I mean, unfortunately, it's in the movie Battleship, but in the movie Battleship, there is a double, double amputee in that movie who is an actual double, double amputee 
going around kicking ass and killing aliens. Nice. So that's yeah. awesome. Also, recent episode of the I think it's an Amazon original series called Goliath with Billy Bob Thornton. Yep, uh, yep, yep. My friend Melanie, who uh, lost her arm a few years ago, uh, and is an actress. She and a couple other ampute- like actual real life amputee actresses were cast to play amputee characters. So oh, cool. Hopefully, we're moving a little bit on that, but it's an ongoing source of grief for a lot of people i forget what we were talking about <laughs> skyscraper charlie's in the skyscraper right 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 was she in king kong or was that somebody no, she was in mighty Naomi Joe Watts, which is she basically was in king yeah. kong light yeah okay. it's like for is there a the skyscraper younger, younger in that uh, he climbs the man's chinese theater and a ferris wheel and he brutally murders a poacher like right in front of a lot of kids oh god it's one of my favorite charlie's movies <laughs> It's well, not one of mine. One. That's why I remember almost none of it. Bill Paxton's in it. R.I.P. Too soon. If you don't have an idea yet, you can go either next we'll circle or third. Back. Do you want to you yeah. pause for a second and think about it? Yeah. Mike, how would you put Charlize into Skyscraper? So, <laughs> so uh, skip. No, just kidding. Um, I'm going to make it challenging. I am going to use her character from this movie. And basically what happened was when she wandered out into the darkness she got picked up by actually like some nice people got on a boat and believe it or not like this like hong kong was uh, china and stuff like this didn't happen on the other side of the planet like it's fine oh it's gonna be okay over there and she is brought to the skyscraper and is given like a job and like able like some room to live and stuff and then the shit goes down dwayne johnson like finds her and is like I'm here to save you too and she's like well I've already rescued your family and everything and we we're looking for you so let's go all get out of here together uh, and so that, that's how I, she sort of like overcomes having abandoned her her post-apocalyptic husband and child goes through some therapy from the uh, therapist who lives in the tallest building in the world too because i'm assuming it's sort of like a gremlins 2 situation in this building where they're just like they've got everything they need to survive there's like a there's like a mall there's like a television network there's a genetics lab there's a mail post office so anyway she's living there she's doing all right she's trying to find her way back to vigo and then that's when like the shit hits the fan and like i said like um she gets out of there with the rock so maybe it's it's a little bit of a sequel to the road all right the road the road to hong kong yeah yeah (laughs) The Road Number Two, Hong Kong. I almost made it. I combined it with one of our previous games that I was wasn't good at. What pitch a sequel? Yeah, pitch a sequel. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna say, unless Kara, do you have an idea? Um, a Hotel Transylvania idea. Oh, well then go for it. Oh, okay. We should. Yeah, we should from now on maybe give that option too. We pick either of the new releases. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good option. She wanders out into the night without any provisions, without adequate clothing, and stumbles upon Hotel Transylvania (laughs) in the woods. And they take her in, and she becomes one of them. And they keep her safe from all the cannibals. She becomes Monster? Queen of the Monsters. Yeah. I feel like you've both covered very clearly uh, ideas. Let me see here. I'm going to say, just to sort of, as a different take on it, she is in the skyscraper and she's a different character but also still a mother separated from her child and she's trying to she's kind of in a way got parts of her role here where she's got a connection to her child but also protective of him like Vigo is and so she's trying to fight back against the fire question mark to find (laughs) her kid 
and she and The Rock team up, but it's not the whole movie. She goes teams with him, they fight the fire together, question mark, and then she finds her kid, and then maybe they sort of reunite at the end to help The Rock again now that they're stronger together. Something along those lines, instead of just a direct sequel to somehow pitch a sequel game into other franchises, which is also kind of cool, so I'm into that too, but... Yeah, I think that works. Nice. We'll see. I mean, or, or we won't see because that'll never happen. But well, we'll I, I would, I would watch that before rewatching this because I think I'm, I think I'm good with this one. <laughs> I don't know if I, you know, <laughs> I watched it the first time, you know, because, I, well, because I heard it was like a really good movie and the book and everything and uh, sci-fi fan, and I only watched it again for this podcast. Like, it's, it's not an easy sit. My, my toughest thing about uh, putting this on Letterboxd is whether or not I should mark the little heart for like it or not. Because I do, <laughs> but also I don't. You don't I think the, I, like, I gave it a heart. <laughs> that's like, I mean, yeah, that's tough. Like, yeah, does a heart belong next to, like, Schindler's List? Because I love, you know, it's an amazing movie, but, you know, it's kind of crass to put a heart next to that on, on Letterboxd, but... Mm-hmm. We have an email address, watch at cageclub.me. We have no email today. Uh, since we last got that email, we have not put out another episode, so no reason that we would have an email today unless we had another new fan. But email us, watch at cageclub.me. Let us know what you think of this movie of Charlize. Was Charlize's scream believable or not? Let us know. Was Cara DeGrasse Tyson's observations about nature, did they ruin this movie for you? Let us know. <laughs> the final segment on the show, Cara, you know this, is we do the awards for Watch the Throne, potentially the Golden Wallpapers, perhaps the Golden Teeth. I'm going to say this one belongs in Best Film category. Okay. Eh, along okay. with Devil's Advocate in the Valley of Ella, Monster in the Yards, only because we don't have a lot of other movies in there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, we could put it there for now. I have a feeling it's going to get pushed out. At It'll some make it point, bumped. Maybe bumped, but okay. We have a category. It doesn't qualify for this. Most wildly inconsistent tone. This almost feels like should be like most depressingly consistent tone. Yeah. And that like shit is bleak the entire time. Not during the finger banging scene, though. That's true. This is wildly true. inconsistent in tone. I will say most wasted performance as mother yeah. in the road. That's going to be a big battle. That category has a lot of, well, unfortunately, so many contenders. Do you think, Kara, this is a question for you, knowing sort of the types of movies that we've seen so far, does this qualify for most sexist film or no? No, I don't think so. There's not enough women in it for it to be sexist. Well, maybe actually, now that I'm thinking about it. But what we also have on here, a couple Woody Allen movies, (laughs) uh, The Italian (laughs) Job, Hancock, like it feels like it's yeah, not good, Hancock. but it's not that bad. Yeah. I didn't think Hancock really deserved it either. No, but remember, we, we convinced you by the end. Yeah, I gave in was more like it, I think. <laughs> I think here, you know, since there's equal opportunity cannibalism going on, it's okay. And ladies can eat people, too. Yeah. They're just like us. Just like us. I'm going to write down most dressed down appearance. That was the Tobin idea for In the Valley of Ella, Monster, North Country, The Road. Just either she's not wearing makeup in this or she's wearing makeup to make it look like she's not wearing makeup. But she just looks, the scene where she, like, her water breaks, I just wrote it down. She's so beige. Like, her <laughs> hair is the same color as her face, yeah. which is the same color as her clothes. Sweater, yeah. It's mm-hmm. just, that is yeah. just her nothing. Like, not even, like, she doesn't even have that pregnant glow. It's just... There is no life in her from head to toe, basically. She's just yeah, but it's, leading it's into the background. In keeping with the visual style of the rest of the film, like we were talking oh, about absolutely. before, sure. how little color there is. Um, not only that, it, she's like 
actually the most dressed down role because she gets quite undressed in this and walks out with just a t-shirt on. I mean, she has gotten yep. undressed in lots of stuff, but like it's a double one here because yeah, it fits the category and it's like she's actually on that topic. Undressing. Uh, Viggo Mortensen likes to get naked, doesn't he? He sure mm-hmm. does. I've seen yep. his dick in a bunch of movies, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the Eastern Promises. Yep. Full frontal. Because he gets naked like twice in this, I think, right? Like the, uh, the waterfall like, the and water, yeah, and mm-hmm. then the waterfall. And then yeah, at the end at the at the beach, yeah. Do we want to put this scene? Uh, it's it, it could be the first one without without Charlize in it. Worst love story for father and son. <laughs> I don't think that's the love story. The lo- right, like the love story is between the husband and wife. I think well, the love story it? might even be between Viggo Mortensen and being alive. <laughs> between right, the boy we will, we will and skip, food. We will skip. <laughs> Best death for Charlize is walks off into the cold post-apocalypse. I don't understand that. Like I didn't. I remember the first time being completely baffled by yeah, that. Yeah, no and then idea even, what was happening. Yeah, and even this time, I'm like, how is that gonna kill her? Like, I understand you could freeze to death. Don't get me wrong, but like, are there maniacs out there? Like, well, just yeah, that is, is that the thing? Supposed to be just that, like. Uh, She'll like, get killed. Yeah, there's more people out there than you think, and they're all like these marauding, crazy people that are just going to eat you. Or you'll get caught in a fire or fall in a ditch. Mm-hmm. Or, there, you could. There's so many ways to die, especially in, <laughs> in the, the apocalypse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the dark. <laughs> yeah. Is there a non-Charlize death in here of note, like perhaps getting hit in the chest with a flare? That one was good. Ooh, I liked yeah. that a lot. Flare mm-hmm. gun to death. Um, there was also a pile of visceral organs that was really good, Ooh. but I guess they ate the rest of the person. It was the the guy that he shot in the woods when they run into that big gang. His death wasn't great. It was just the pile of organs. Never mind. Mm. No, but that was that was like extremely. I felt that felt very real. Like how he just grabs the kid, puts the knife, and it's all in that one shot, and then he just yeah. nails him right in the head. Do we want to nominate this for best cinematography? Yeah. Yeah. Best score soundtrack for sure, because I loved it. I just wrote down The Rock, so that's where my head's at right now. <laughs> Do we want to nominate Vigo for best male actor role? What about the boy? If we have to nominate uh, one I person. The, the, I think he's okay. I think he's kind of okay. whiny. I really liked Robert Duvall's character a lot. Mm. I found him really compelling. There's something about the boy I've found so interesting, just this concept that he never watched television, he never went to school, he never had any of these luxuries, he never drank a Coke, you know, and anything he knows is from Charlize and Vigo, like what they taught him. So he knows to read a little bit, he knows what a peach is, like he reads peaches and cans and things like that, but... I just was... I heard that he could eat a peach for hours. Yes, even if it's in a can. A can of peaches for hours. I wish it wasn't so much just Vigo's point of view. I wish we got a little more with the kid at the end on his own, maybe for like a half hour even, just to see what he would do and how he would act and survive on his own and stuff. Because I found that idea for a character very compelling. Just this idea like a 10 or 11-year-old kid who's never had any of this experience or reference to go by. And like, I feel like in a way he would actually be more prepared for dealing with this than his father Mm. was. But he's also very clearly not. Yeah. But I also don't know that's necessarily best actor. It's just sort of the best kind of character. But I think that the three of us all had different takes on who should be nominated, who could be nominated there. I feel like maybe no one gets nominated. <laughs> Plus, we already have a pretty small category there. <laughs> House wins, so... <laughs> House wins, yes. We all lose our chips. 
Uh, anything else of note in this movie that we want to nominate, either good or bad or otherwise? Because the other categories that we have here don't really apply. Oh. But anything else that you thought was either particularly good or particularly bad about The Road? Okay, so I just want to mention this, but this isn't up for nomination or anything. But I just have like this newly recent obsession with closing credits and end credits and like what plays over them and I don't know why but just one day it just struck me like I want to stick around more often for credits so I'm watching these closing credits and at one point after the little lonely piano thing stops for most of the rest of the closing credits it's just ambient sound of like a neighborhood so you get like people walking their dog mowing their lawn talking to each other like planes flying overhead cars driving down the street and it just like goes on and on and on and i was just like getting very tense like thinking maybe i'd hear a giant explosion at the end of it or something um but but it just sort of like um slowly builds into more of that like tonal orchestration and then into like a very short piece of music to end the credits to but um we don't have like a best credits category i don't think we should but i just thought that was very interesting you know uh, joey and i stick around for the credits for all the cage club revisited so maybe that has something to do with it too that i feel like i should just stick around to the bitter end but that was just something else i wanted to add wow that's really interesting i did not stick around for the credits Well, that's where I also saw that, like, the dad wasn't just his acting yeah. coach, but his mentor. I yeah, like, I, don't, oh, I definitely weird. didn't stick around for credits either, so that was... Stage dad. I like that, too. So that's everything we got. Kara, I thought was this. I thought this might be a serious wrap on Kara, but she will be back for the maybe question mark next movie that Charlie's is doing that is not out yet, which is the Addams Family Animated. Oh, yeah. Oh, sweet. So that'll come so out She'll be back like eventually for that, so look forward to that. But you have your own show. You have Wistful Thinking, which comes out every other Thursday, so... This past... No, no. So what's what came out yesterday, Karen? Do you know what you're doing next as we're recording, but came out yesterday as we're hearing this? We haven't yet recorded it yet, but unless something else comes up, we're going to be talking about an American tale. Five well, Goes West. Ooh, Five The West one. That's a different movie. Oh, oh, is it really? Yeah, there's two different movies. Yep. There's American oh. Tale, which is about this little... The immigrant experience. refugee mouse kid... <laughs> who gets separated from his family on the boat on their way to the United States after they've had to flee Russia from the Cossacks and their cats. He gets separated from them, and then they're trying to find each other. And then Fievel goes west. He uh, goes west. (laughs) Western. That's all I remember. Uh, I'll probably watch that before we record, but I haven't seen it. Well, I don't know if I ever saw that one. I definitely remember watching Goes West... Oh, dude, I just have to say quickly, because I loved American Tale as a kid, but we watched it in, in, like, middle school one day, and, like, every kid in class started crying at some point in that movie, including myself. Including myself. So, like... I mean, even just, like, the first 15 or 20 minutes... Like, I don't know if the rest of the movie is really that strong, but the first 15 or 20 minutes is absolutely worth watching, especially now. It gets you there. It gets you there. (laughs) And the animation is just absolutely gorgeous. Oh, yeah. The Bluth Animation Studio did, like, so many great movies. They were, like, the rival to Disney, I guess, at some (laughs) point. Well, check that out on Wistful Thinking, which came out yesterday. Episodes every other Thursday. I am their official ICE correspondent, so hopefully... I'm still trying to think of other movies with ICE in it, just that we could talk about. I keep thinking you're their ICE correspondent. Every time you say that, I'm like, why is Joey, like, the political... Like, I am also that. Ice correspondent. We like, talked about that at my party, I think. Don't abolish ice, by the no, way. No, I, I messaged you and I said, you know, oh. if you're going to be our ice correspondent, you better be reading up on immigration 
customs enforcement. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's actually, yeah, the ice, the actual ring. Also like, vanilla ice. Get. Maybe we could do ice ice baby Ooh. or cool as ice. Ooh, yeah. Cool as or ice. that uh, Teenage Mutant, Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, movie. Turtles 2, Secret yeah. of the Ooze. Yeah, Ninja Rap. So, for all things Watch a Throne and Wistful Thinking and our other 16 shows, the 18 grand total, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Also, follow WistfulPod, at WistfulPod, just about everywhere. So, go check that out. Email us, watch at cageclub.me. Let us know what you thought of Charlize's birthing scream. Let us know what you thought of Kara ruining this movie with her grass comments. Let us know whatever you think. Just say hi. We will read it the next time we record an episode. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Kara Gale O'Regan, who will be back in a couple months or question mark whenever for the Addams Family Animated. We'll see you next time for Young Adults. Watch the film.